All right, I want to say uh, greetings and peace to everyone who has tuned in, who received the notification. Uh, welcome to the Amara Squad Media, our YouTube channel. This is our new YouTube channel. So you can find us here. Um, uh, same channel. We'll be doing these shows on a regular basis like we did in the past. Um, so again, welcome to the Amara Squad Media. And again, we are the Amara Squad. And for those who may be uh, new, uh, newly tuned in to us and uh, don't know about us, we are, we call ourselves the Amon Ra Squad, and we use those two uh, terms, those comedic deities' names, Amon and Ra, combined uh, to symbolize two aspects. Amon, most people are familiar with uh, having the meaning of hidden, and Ra being uh, a word or deity, as they say, of the sun, things that are seen. So you have the unseen and the seen. And so as the Amon Ra Squad, as a squad, as a small group of people, we've come together with different talents and different skills and different qualifications. And all of us, we have a, a like mind and we come together to address things that are hidden, things that people don't pay attention to, things of, of what I would call under the hood that people may not see on the surface and pay attention to and often neglect. And also we pay attention to the here and now. Uh, with subjects such as uh, food, clothing, shelter, uh, what's going on in current events. Uh, so we do both. We, we study and address those things as well as the things that often get neglected, such as science, technology, uh, language, linguistics, uh, genetics, and so on. Things that may not bring food on the table or money in your pocket right now, but things that are definitely important and for our future. So that's, that's what we... Um, are composed of us uh, myself Wujau. we also have uh, Black Panther uh, Sister Naya brother Uncle Kek brother Osari Motep brother Sanjeti and the brother Jonathan who know also known as the Magi alright so we're the Amara squad and tonight um, we have a, a special guest and um, we're just gonna get into it and I'll pass the the mic on over to our brother Black Panther is your favorite warrior black panther thank you all for tuning in we got this great and qualified guest today dr rick kittles uh everyone wants to talk about genetics these days big arguments across the conscious community so we thought we would bring in a person that's leading in this field a uh, person that is doing this you know a pro an expert someone that we can ask questions to so you don't have to believe the Amon Ra squad. You don't have to read the articles. You don't have to even pay attention to the hundreds of references we gave you. We've brought in a specialist that is here to answer your questions and the tough questions that plague this community. So I'm going to let Dr. Rick Kills introduce himself, his qualifications, his credentials. Uh, Dr. Rick, tell read. us about yourself and your qualifications and everything like that. Okay, cool. Uh, I want to say uh, greetings to the brothers and sisters out there. Uh, very happy and excited to uh, to be here and um, uh, have some uh, some shared discussions and, and dialogue around this issue of race and, and genetics. I um, am a, uh, a geneticist um, uh, by training. Uh, got my uh, PhD from George Washington University in Washington, D.C. in, uh, in uh, the um, biology department at GW. And... Um, uh, had uh, a lot of work uh, 
um, around uh, genetics of diseases in people of African descent. I've done a lot of work looking at cancer and um, uh, cardiovascular disease and the like. Um, I uh, always wanted to understand more about genetics and how DNA played a role in, um, you know, traits like skin color and eye color and, and hair hair color and hair texture and the like. So always was uh, excited to um, to learn more about genetics. And, and so when I uh, went to grad school, that was the big focus. Um, around the same time, I was uh, learning a lot about um, uh, the African Eve and looking at mitochondrial DNA to trace the migration uh, routes and the history of humans across the world. And from that, I really, you know, it just galvanized me and solidified me and as it relates to um, uh, becoming a geneticist. And I said, whatever I learned, whatever tools and techniques I learned, I would definitely use it to answer questions that were important to people of color uh, around the world. And, and so that's what I've been doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we're honored to have you on our platform. Uh, we've referenced you so many times in so many videos. So it's great to have you here uh, so you can speak for yourself. Um, so, so some people might be asking, why are we even doing this show? What's the purpose? Why is this important? Well, there's a cultural revolution going on in America amongst people that consider themselves African-Americans. That cultural revolution is centered around where people are from in Africa. Everyone is taking these genetic uh, DNA tests. Uh, they're, they're being initiated in different spiritual systems from the continent. They're researching different cultures, trying to figure out where um, you know they're from. And this is unique to Dr. Rick Kittles because, correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, your DNA testing company is one of the only ones that advertises that you can tell uh, where a person, um, a particular type of people associated with their DNA. Is that correct? Right, right. We, our, our company, African Ancestry, specializes in tracing the ancestry of people of African descent. So we can actually look at these lineages and tell you where they um, are common uh, at in, in within Africa, which uh, ethnic groups and geographic re region and all of that. Um, we uh have one of the largest not one of we have the largest uh african lineage databases uh in the world and so we've been uh working on collecting that data um for for a very long time actually since like 95 and um uh we're able to um perform these tests with pretty good statistical power given the the the, the comprehensiveness of the of the database um uh but yeah we are we are the only ones that can do that Actually, we were at the time we, we, we started the company in 2003. At the time, there was only two other companies in the world. Um, one of them was Family Tree DNA out of Houston, Texas. The other one was was called um, uh, Oxford Ancestors out of England. And so we were the third wow. company to emerge in 2003. There was nobody doing this as it relates to African descent people. There was, you know, tests for for uh, Jewish lineages, there were tests for Native American and, and European ancestry, but nothing for African Americans. And so we fit that, um, that, that gap, we filled that gap, you know. Wow, uh, so, so not only do we have a, a African geneticist here, but a pioneer in this field as well. So 
You know, it, it don't get no better than this. People, what you provide people is something that is, is priceless. People want to know where they're from. Where does their DNA lie in Africa? It's something that was stolen from us that once you get that back, it's, it's very emotional for some people, as I'm sure that you uh, encountered in your yeah. years in the profession, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen, I've seen, it's funny because I've seen all kind of responses from people who uh, get the test. And, and there are many reasons why people get the test. I mean, if you think about, uh, there is no other community in this world who has experienced uh, what uh, people of African descent, in particular, West and Central Africans, I'm talking about those that were enslaved and brought to the new world, um, uh, as experienced. And so when we talk about African-Americans, I mean, it's a very unique population history. And so we are now at a point where there is this um, excitement and strong interest around using this technology to say something about ancestry, because we don't know. I mean, we've been just ripped of all of that information for generations. Absolutely. Uh, brother, uh, I mean, uh, Sister Naya, you want to chime in on that? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Hi, um, Dr. Kittles. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. My name is Naya Amara. We've talked a few times in our inbox and I've asked you for some feedback on some of the research I was doing, learning about DNA. So I'm just excited about you being here. Um, you talked about um, really being in the forefront of genetics and DNA specifically to African-American people. Could you tell me a little bit about why that was important in terms of in, in the scientific world? Why was that important and why did you feel the need to kind of bring a product that helped people like us who have a historic lineage in Africa, um, including the transatlantic slave trade? Why did you think that was important for us? Well, I, I, it was important to me and, mm -hmm. and my family. And I felt uh, my community, I, I felt that I wasn't uh, disconnected from from my from from my community you know it, it's funny because i when, when i was in graduate school everybody was like what are you going to do with your phd what are you going to do with your phd you know some people got phds to make a lot of money others wanted the the prestige of writing papers and getting all these scientific achievement awards but i knew that if i was going to invest this time and effort that whatever area i was going to focus in on it was going to be used for the betterment uh, for African uh, people. And so that's, I've always been committed to that, always. And so it's just something that was instilled in me from, from, from the start. Uh, I study, you know, um, uh, the biology and the genetics and the environment around people of color for whatever purpose, be it health or, or ancestry or family history, genealogy, all of that um, is, is, you know, and it's funny because it's all intertwined at some level. I mean, we're not isolated entities, right? Even within our bodies, we have DNA that interacts with other pieces of DNA in our body. We have DNA that interacts within the, the various different environments within our body, the physical and social environments in which our body interacts with too. So we're all connected in some way within, you know, with each other, but then also our environment uh, within our community. So I've, I've always had this sort of this very, very strong interest in, 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 in wanting to make sure that, that I contributed in some way to people of African descent. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because when I was in, 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 even before grad school, when I first started um, 
you know, my education at, at a, you know, in, in college. I remember reading a lot of the, the black scholars at the time, you know, at that time we called them Afrocentric writers, right? Afrocentricity. And, um, you know, folks like Charles Finch and, and Ben Sertima and, and Shake Any Joke and, and um, uh, you know, a slew of, of, of important characters in the history of science uh, for people of African descent. And I just wanted to play my part in that whole, so I saw an opportunity for me to be a part of that, those lineages, those, those, those scholars. And I said, you know, I, I wanna contribute uh, and inspire just like they did. Absolutely, absolutely. We all understand uh, the willingness and the want and the desire to contribute to uh, the great body of knowledge that our people have produced throughout time. Uh, Brother Ong, you wanted to get in on this? You got to unmute yourself, huh? Okay. Uh, uh, how you doing, Dr. Rick? How you feeling? I'm great. Great. How about you? Hey, man. Uh, it, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you on our platform. Um, like, like like we like to say around here, if if there's a need in the community, then we need to be the ones to fill it. And you absolutely have done that. <laughs> really, really, really appreciate that. And so you're in a field where a lot of people that are not scientifically literate, they will actually call it, specifically in this community, they'll call it DNA, well, that's the white man's science. So let me ask you this question. <laughs> How does it feel to be in a field where a lot of black people consider it to be the white man's science? How do you feel to be in that field being a black man? I, actually, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel that way. I mean, you know, what inspired me to get into this were folks like, like I said, uh, Charles Finch, who was a physician out of Atlanta, who um, was un understanding, uh, uh, who had a very strong understanding about science and the and and the um, uh, the the African um, uh, the component and the history of science in Africa, um, uh, and Sheikh Annie Joe, who who actually, you know, in terms of biological anthropology and the and the role in which. Um, uh, um, the history of, of human populations uh, emerged out of Africa, you know, the, his contribution was just phenomenal. So I see myself in the line of folk who were, you know, I, I continue that, that line. So I don't see this as a, as a white man's uh, uh, science. And, you know, the, the funny thing about science is folks say science is unbiased. You know, you learn, and if, you're, if you adhere to the scientific method, it's unbiased. Well, that's 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 a lie. Mm -hmm. Every nation uses science to for their benefits. You, you see what I'm saying? And yeah. so I think a lot of times we have to think about or contextualize what we're learning within the framework of being people of African descent and stop worrying about somebody else saying this is their or, or saying that this is their science or this is their knowledge. You know, we can utilize that knowledge for our benefits um, and, and actually expand on it um, uh, uh, through our own efforts. Mm. Excellent point. Excellent point. So let's let's get into the nitty gritty, as we say. <laughs> what is the study of genetics in, in uh, your estimation, uh, Dr. Rick? Well, the study of genetics is, is the study of uh, of the uh, chemical uh, bases that make up uh, uh, DNA. 
deoxyribonucleic acid. And those chemical bases, there's four of them. For short, we call them A, T, C, and G, those nucleotides. Uh, genetics, the study of genetics is look, explores the transmission or the heritability of traits uh, due to uh, the um, inheritance of DNA. So we look at um, uh, uh, what, what, what individuals inherit from their parents, 50% uh, of their genome for the most part from their mother, 50% from their father. We, we study the transmission of, those, of, those, of that genetic material, right, with, that we inherit, along with the transmission of particular traits like skin color or body height or body weight or even susceptibility to disease. So early in my career, I was trying to understand how genes travel throughout the world uh, um, and, and use that to, to show the migrations of people throughout the world. And I said, well, you know what? Genetics is important for particular traits. So if we understood more about the genetics of skin color, it might tell us something about the history also of, of these populations. Because, you know, there's always these, deb these debates about East, East Africa and the Middle East and who came first, was there back migrations, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you can really utilize genetics to help answer those questions, and, and we're doing that more and more. Scientists now are doing that a lot more by exploring what we call population genetics, exploring the genetic history of populations. That's what population genetics really is. And we're trying to understand how these genetic variations are scattered throughout populations and how um, uh, by populations moving around, how that influences also the genetic variation in those communities. Wow, that is a, uh, that sounds like a serious study. If I, if I, if um, I'm. Go ahead, Ujabu. All right, I, I had a question to kind of um, come off of that. If, um, if uh, Dr. Kittles, if you could explain um, the difference between the different tests that people, the results that people are getting um, on, on, on social media, we see a lot of people post up percentages and mm -hmm. those percentages are a result of, of a certain test. And then they'll post up uh, test results that will give the haplo groups on the maternal and paternal side. Could, could you explain the difference between those if there, if there is a difference between those results? Yeah, there are. I mean, so... There's, there's three different types of tests, and almost all the companies out there perform these, these three types of tests. The first test is what we call um, uh, mitochondrial DNA, which looks at um, the maternal, it's a maternal lineage, meaning it's inherited um, maternally. Um, everybody has mitochondrial DNA, um, and uh, men and women have it, and they get it from their mother but women pass it on. So it's a situation where you, um, if you're a male, you get it from your mother. She got it from her mother. She got it from her mother, um, but you don't pass it on. But if you're, if you're a female, you can pass it on. So it's what we call maternally inherited and it's directly inherited. So it doesn't change unless there's like a mutation. It doesn't mix or re what we call recombine or anything. So it's what we call clonal inheritance. Um, and the, the funny thing about mitochondrial DNA is the, um, it's, a, it's a separate genetic system in the body, right? So in, within our cells, we have DNA uh, within the nucleus of our cells. And um, there's over three and a half billion of those uh, nucleotides that I mentioned earlier, A, C, T, and G for short. 
Um, uh, but mitochondrial DNA is not within the nucleus. It's 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 in uh, organelles called the mitochondria. And I'm getting a little too technical right now. I didn't want to get this technical, but <laughs> the bottom line, um, mitochondrial DNA is its own genetic system, and it has its own sort of history. And you can utilize that marker for the history of maternal lineages um, uh, uh, in the world. And you can actually trace them all back to this mitochondrial Eve in Africa. The second test is Y chromosome DNA. Y chromosome is paternally paternally inherited. So that means you inherit it to your father. Men uh, only have that Y chromosome. So the male um, transmits it to the female. I mean, to, I'm sorry, transmits it to another male, the son, and then they transmit it to their sons. And so it's, it's paternally inherited. Uh, the Y chromosome is one of the um, uh, 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 23 uh, uh, pairs of chromosomes. So on the, the 23rd pair, which is what we call the sex chromosome, there is an X and there's a Y. We can look at the Y chromosome and some markers on the Y to say something about the, um, uh, the paternal lineages uh, around the world. And in fact, we can look at all of them and trace them back also to Africa. The atom, right? The Y or the paternal um, atom. The, um, uh, the next set of uh, uh, genetic system that most of these companies test is called um, autosomal markers. Um, and that provides what we call an admixture estimate. Um, you, earlier, you guys said that um, you, you, you see folks um, um, posting their percentages. Yes. Percentages represent admixture. And um, those markers come from the DNA that's within the nucleus that I mentioned earlier. And they're scattered across those uh, 23 pairs of chromosomes. Some companies, some companies actually perform a test with almost a million of those markers, those genetic markers, or what we call genetic variants. These are different um, types of changes in the DNA, different polymorphisms. We call them SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. Uh, and there's there's actually, you know, tens of, of millions of them that have been found throughout the genome. Uh, if you compare any two people, there's going to be over a million variants across their genome. But uh, for the most part, these companies test a little less than a million, maybe 700, 500,000 of these throughout the genome. You can pull that information together and come up with an estimate of what we call continental ancestry. And by that, I mean percentage Native American, percentage West African, percentage European. Now, some populations actually have more um, uh, dimensions to that. But for the most part, they represent those three, what we call parental groups. Um, uh, and so those are the three systems, mitochondrial DNA, Y chromosome DNA testing, and then autosomal markers or what we call admixture testing. Okay. Uh, uh, thank you for that. I just have one follow-up uh, to that. This is a question that's all, often asked as well. Uh, based on that, um, can can a person be autosomal? Their autosomal test results be uh, show that they share DNA with uh, continental Africans, but yet their maternal and or their paternal be of a lineage of non-African uh, lineage yes. based on their haplogroup. Is that possible? Yeah. 
Yes, it can. I mean, you got to remember each one of those systems ha uh, tells you something uh, 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 sort of almost like a, they, the potential is there to tell a different story. The Y chromosome will tell a story about all the men in your family, that, that line of men that come from your father. So it will tell you something about your father, your father's father, your father's father's father. You see what I'm saying? But just, mm -hmm. just that one line of males. The mitochondrial DNA will do the same thing for the females, your mother's, your mother's mother, your mother's mother's mother, that one line of females. But guess what? Within our families, we have multiple lines. And so just if you go back to your grandparents, those are four different lines there that you can test from, from just your parents. If you go back another generation, it'll be 16. So when you think about it, if we go back to the period of, uh, uh, of slavery, there's over like 16,000 people that contributed to your DNA. And Y chromosome and mitochondrial DNA is not gonna tell you everything about all of those lineages. The admixture test though, will give you a really good estimate generally of what that mixture looks like. So yes, your admixture can say that you are, let's say 25 or 30% West African. And then you look at that person's mitochondrial DNA and it goes to Europe. And then you look at their Y chromosome and it goes to Europe also, or to let's say Asia. And you're like, well, I didn't see the African in those two other systems. It must not be true. No, we are a hodgepodge. Almost all populations are a hodgepodge or a mixture of many different um, continental groups. Um, of course, there's isolated groups that haven't been mixing for the most part, but most what we call outbred populations, like here in America, represent a mixture of uh, various degrees of different continental groups. So, so yeah, you can, you can actually have uh, an individual's uh, uh, admixture test be completely different than their mitochondrial and why. Okay, I, I definitely appreciate that clarification. That's a question that comes up a lot, and I think people misinterpret the the three results that you just went over and they kind of cross 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 them up and 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 misinterpret and, and may uh think you have certain assumptions that that they'll get disappointed at and not really understand the results right 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 so so, so i think you have to be you have to be clear that um each one of those genetic systems tells you something about that particular lineage doesn't tell you everything about your entire genome i think we we think most the average person thinks that they can buy a hundred dollar or 150 or 200 dollar or a 300 dollar test and they're going to get an answer to everything about their genome and that's just not the case i mean you we, there is no test that's going to tell you everything in one test mm. that's that's good yeah. to know <laughs> important that's very important so you can tell oh you want to go ahead sister Nye. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of segue into the discussion about race, given that that's kind of a hot topic. Um, and could you talk a little bit about race? We talked about populations and how um, the study of genetics looks at populations. Could you explain to us if you feel like race is biologically meaningful and um, kind of contrast that with the social construct um, and how we can look at it to best kind of 
become a more educated people as it relates to the subject. Yeah. Nah, you right. couldn't wait. You couldn't wait one more minute to get well, to that. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I hear, I hear I hear you. She couldn't wait. I understand. It's good. No. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> That's good, so, though. That's good. Right, right. No, no. She's Let's asking some serious, serious questions. And so, but, you know, this is, race Race is one of the most contentious areas out there in the in the in the sciences and it's not just science it has a social political um uh, uh meaning too right and so that's why folks really get upset and they argue and argue different scientific organizations every couple years they have a meeting and they come back with this white paper and they say race is not real over and over and over folks are like when are we going to stop talking about this we're never going to stop talking about it because race has a social race is a social construct okay so it has very strong social meaning and context to it but biologically there are no human races now let's go back a second and then i'm and i'm then i'm gonna get really into this race thing uh because this is what i've been working on for a very long time and i've always wondered why people just don't get it and they don't get it because it's one of those things where you feel, as the average person on the street, you can just look at somebody and say what race they are. Oh, I know what race that person is because look at their hair or look at their look at their skin color. For for for, for many African Americans, race is based on skin color and to some extent ancestry. Mm -hmm. But that's not what race is. Race is a zoological construct. Okay, when I say zoological. So the evolutionary biologists use race to define subspecies. So we have these different classes of, or, of, organi organs, of organisms, right? And so you have species and you have subspecies. So an, an organism can be a subspecies. You can have several subspecies or what we call races if they have been isolated from each other for a long enough time that they genetic markers are starting to differ. That doesn't mean that they can't reproduce. It just means that genetically, those two um, populations of, let's say, salamander or some shrimp, some brine shrimp or something, uh, starting to differentiate. They're moving out, diverging to different genetic outcomes, right? That's what we call a race. And for the evolutionary biologist, they actually have a criteria for the genetic differentiation of races. And for the most part, if it's above FST, average FST is above, I think it's 0.3 or something like that, um, 30%, then you have these separated groups that are races. But races can interbreed for the most part. Now, if we were to look at human populations, do they represent races in a zoological framework? No, they don't. And why is that? <laughs> because folks can have, uh, um, uh, okay, number one, folks can, uh, um, uh, it doesn't matter, as long as you're a human, you can have babies with another human, right? For the most part, unless you're just infertile or whatever. And I tell my students all the time, genes don't stay in your genes. Anytime you bring two people together from different populations, they're gonna mix. But the point is this, humans' populations have not diverged or been isolated long enough 
to de to develop what we call races. Now, if 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 um, those European explorers back in fourteen in the late fourteen hundreds didn't do what they did, you know, maybe we would have been on uh, a route towards races, human races. But what happened? Folks started coming in from other continents and mixing. Okay, so human populations have not been around or isolated long enough and around long enough to actually differentiate into different human races. Um, and it's very clear. When we look at the genetics, we see, for the most part, very similar in terms of genetics, but there are some differences. But, that's, they don't, but those differences do not define races. Those differences are defined by ancestry, family history, and geographic um, uh, distance, meaning the further away populations are from each other, the more genetic difference they are. Because people mate with people close to them. They don't go, you know, to the other part of Africa just to have a baby. You know what I'm saying? They're going to get down with folks in that community. And the further away you are and you compare two groups, the further away they are, they're going to have more genetic difference than they will if they're closer together geographically. Also, what has shaped the genetic variation that we see has been selection. Okay? So while we while all human populations share a lot of genetics what the little bit that we do see that's different is due to how those groups reproduced and then also what environmental um stimuli they were exposed to meaning pathogens infectious disease right um malaria created a major shift in the genome of many West and Central Africans, because in order to survive in an area where there was high malaria, there had to be changes to certain genes like Duffy, G6PD, beta globin gene. Those genes were shaped by the history of malaria in those communities. Now, does that mean that they are a race different from other West Africans? No, that's just a small set of genes. But for the most part, we share uh, strong similarity in terms of our overall genetics across the genome. So we have to move away from this whole race thing and genetics. Race is real. I'm a black male. When I get pulled over by the cops, I know whether than anybody that I am a black male. Okay. I do not sit up there saying, you know, that I'm, I'm, I, even though I have a European Y chromosome that I'm European and all this blah, blah, blah. In America, race is real. So we have to realize the social component to race. And also, since I study disparities, I also want to know and be clear that when we look across different populations, there is a differential in incidence and mortality and the distribution of resources. And so sometimes we categorize that in racial terms. But that doesn't mean that there's a biological race. That just means socially and demographically, we call those groups races. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. African-Americans, Native Americans, Latinos, Hispanics, whatever you want to call it. Some people call them racist, but the bottom line is that is a, 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 an opportunity of measurement of those social demographic groups, not a biological um, um, a term. Mm. Wow. Wow. That was a very great response. I'm glad you hit all those points. Um, in our community in the last 
three years, Amara Squad has kind of been at the forefront of talking about race and genetics. What do you think about haplogroups? Do you feel that haplogroups is enough to justify race? And if so, why? I have, I have very strong feelings about haplogroups. Um, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, folks saying that genetics and science is, is, is European or white. And remember what I said, I said all communities utilize science for their benefit, right? So we have a bias. Everybody has a bias. And I don't care what anybody says. We should leverage our own science and technology for our betterment, okay? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't have any, um, um, uh, not, not apologetic for that. <laughs> no, I'm not apologetic for it. No, I'm not at all. But what gets me upset is when I study mitochondrial DNA variation and Y chromosome variation across the world and 90%, 95% of all the, no, actually 99% of the scholars are of European ancestors. And they label the different haplogroups based on a European construct. I have a problem with that, especially when all of the variation is rooted in Africa. So Africa should be the center of that explanation of haplogroups. And it's not. I'll give you an example. There's probably, ah, oh shoot, I forget how many haplogroups there are. Just, I'm talking about the major haplogroups, 30 some odd, I think. More than half of them are in Europe. Now, if we look at mitochondrial DNA variation in Europe, it's not a lot of variation, but they've labeled all kinds of, they have so many different labels on that little bit of variation. And then you go to Africa where all of the variation lies. If you were to, if you were to add up all the non-African variation and put it next to the African variation, it still wouldn't even come close. And we just get one letter for Africa, L, the mitochondrial DNA, L, haplogroup. I guess it's this way for y'all. <laughs> Seriously, think about what I'm saying. So. In, in, in Europe, we have um, uh, uh, H-I-J-K, I mean, H-I-J-K, um, uh, I believe S and T, all these different haplogroups there that have been characterized in Europe. And there's only one group for Africa that defines all of the African variation. To me, that is extremely disrespectful. Why? Because what we have to then do is um, frame all of the African variation just within that one letter and break that letter up. And it's, it's, it, it doesn't compare to, to what we have in terms of defining European variation. So for me, that's a problem, right? It also minimizes the history and the, um, the uh, 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 just the, the, the the level of, of variation that exists within within Africa. So, um, if we were to use haplogroups to define races, it would be extremely problematic just based on that. But even if it wasn't the case, we still couldn't use it because 
throughout different um, continents, we see that areas where populations go in and out of that area, uh, of that geographic area, you know, the movement of populations within an area or the movement out of an area, that's what we call these transition zones. And these transition zones have a blur in terms of these haplogroups. And so it's not easy to use haplogroups to define races. For instance, um, uh, uh, Dr. Charles Finch used to call um, the Middle East, he called it the, the Northeast African extension. I don't know if you guys remember that in, his, uh, in, mm -hmm. in some of his work. Mm -hmm. what, he was, what he was saying was at, at one time that was considered part of Africa. That whole Middle Eastern sort of Sinai, all of that area was, 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 was considered Africa because there was this um, movement back and forth with Africa, and it was called this transition zone. And if you look at the genetics today, we see this transition out of East Africa, out of the Sudan, all of this variation being a, like a bottleneck, a subset of what's in Sudan being a subset of what we see in the Middle East, which is then a subset of what we see in Asia and a subset in, in Europe. So it's a transition zone. So, so it would be extremely problematic to use haplogroups to define to define races. I, I think um, they're useful in terms of saying something about migration. I think they're useful in terms of, of uh, population history, but but in terms of definition of races or, or using them to define races is problematic because uh, once again, they're only part of your genome, of your genetic makeup. Remember, your mitochondrial DNA may say one thing and the rest of your genome say completely else, something else. So why would you want to use that to define race? Hmm. Well, there you have it. There you have you know, it. You know, you know, you're dealing with a pro when you you take the time, you write down all these questions, you write them out, and he answers like four of them in in one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, he hit all the points. All can, the... I, can I ask a question? Go, Go for ahead, it. Huh? Well, this is a good question right here. This is the elephant in the room right here. Uh -oh. Specifically in the conscious community. You about to ask what I was about to ask. I just need to know, based off of our presence in North America, the African-Americans, would you say that we are the original Native Americans? <laughs> Professor, we, we need to know that. We have several books popping up on the scene. Uh, I totally disagree with that, but I want to hear what the professional has to say. The one that studied on genetics. Can we can we talk about that? Are African Americans, Native Americans, are we closely related? I mean, what, talk talk to us about that, sir. Here we I go. Know. I no, need that. No, no, that is that is a uh, a misnomer, a falsehood, an outright lie. Okay, that's exactly what that is. We are not uh, the original Native American. There is a history that Native Americans have. And actually it's disrespectful to, 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 for, for African-Americans to go out and say that they're Native American to, to the rich Native American cultures that have been here for thousands of years. I mean, Native Americans are descendants of Asians who came here, who migrated here. And we have the, the archeology, span we have the biological anthropology, we have the genetics, the fossils, everything is there show and prove, okay? So there is no debate on that. We look at Native American populations. They were at one point very large with the, um, 
the settlement and the arrival and settlement of Europeans, those those populations were 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 brought down to 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 very few numbers. And so the genetic diversity, the biological diversity, the cultural diversity was lost. Okay, but they were not of African of recent African descent. Okay, those Native Americans were not. Now, for some reason, there are African Americans who are here who want to claim this connection with Native Americans. I don't know for what outside of maybe trying to get some money from the casinos or something. I don't know, but but the the um, the, the <laughs> they want to have this uh, connection with Native Americans. And it's funny because it's almost like there are no, we are the Native Americans. And so whoever was here or, or whatever history that you can show coming from Asia just wasn't true. I mean, which is, it's even more shocking that you would even say that. But I don't, and I also don't understand why a black person would want to be anything other than African. Okay? Mm. That's, mm. That is the deep, real deep sort of issue that has to be addressed by those individuals who continue to argue. I mean, they continue to argue this point. Now, I'm not going to say that no black folk came here when the Europeans came here early on, Columbus and all that stuff, right? Because I'm sure there was um, uh, black folk on those, on those uh, ships. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that they were black folk. Mm-hmm. I'm even suggesting that some of them could have been Moors from Spain, okay? But there was no wholesale movement of black folk to the new world and then contribute all of what the Native Americans did, uh, uh, and, 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 and for some reason, uh, that was lost too, I guess, in the history, that you know, it was a, a, the Black experience that contributed to the Native American history. I don't know, but I, I'm just saying, it, it's, there, is no, there is no evidence of this uh, uh, wholesale movement of people of West and Central African descent being here before the transatlantic slave trade. So. The African-American community that's there today came from, we are the, we are descendants. I'm, I'm going to say this really just clearly, okay? The bulk of African-Americans are descendants of enslaved Africans from West and Central Africa. That's it. Mm-hmm. It don't get no much simpler than that. But uh, since yeah. Brother Aunt wanted to crank it up, um, you know, let's let's go all the way into it. <laughs> Dr. Rick, talk to us about the Olmec civilization. <laughs> and are these people genetically African? Look, I don't I didn't I haven't studied uh, the Olmecs. Uh, I've, I've seen articles. I've seen pictures. I've seen a lot of that. Um, one of the things that I think we also have to be clear on, and this is what I call it's not just me. A lot of a lot of my colleagues call this racial thinking. Okay, racial thinking is also typological thinking, meaning that there are these types that human populations adhere to. You're within one of these types. You're either Native American type, Asian, European type, and then they have different classes of Europeans: East, West, Scandinavian, you know, Mediterranean, and then you have African. Right. The stereotypic African. Right. And so you see some pictures or some sculptures or some art of individuals that might resemble some West Africans. And you say, oh, 
Those are Africans. <laughs> That's typological or racial thinking. You're assuming that 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 that, that those Native Americans, they all mixed, uh, didn't have variation in terms of their phenotype. Hmm. All populations have variation in their phenotype. You can see Asian influences in, in Europeans. You can see even African influence in Europeans in terms of their phenotypes, their physical features. Um, uh, so, so no, I, I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I haven't bought into that omic thing, and I don't believe. <laughs> I think that those are some broad-nosed, big-lipped Native American. Facts. Woo! Facts. Um, I just want to go on record and say I did not probe Mr. Kittles for any responses prior to him coming on the show. <laughs> because, because Dr. Kittles, the reason why I'm saying this is because they're going to say, he sounds just like the Amirasqua. I know the Amirasqua. I told him what to say before he came on the show. No. We spoke on the phone one time <laughs> and multiple times through messages. Right. We right. didn't tell this brother what to say. We didn't tell this brother what to think. We didn't give him the answer. He didn't. He didn't even know the questions we were going to ask. Right. So, right. I did. And I, that. That's the good thing. That's the good part. Is that uh, this is all uh, fluid and live. Right. Right. So. So. It, it, it's interesting because you know we've had some some. Um, We've had some uh, African scholars who have explored that issue, and um, uh, we have to be honest too with you know with scholarship. I mean, at certain time periods, we may think one thing, and then as the evidence uh, goes further, we see otherwise. Um, and remember what I said about science: science, for the most part, is biased. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I, you could say, "Oh, well, we're gonna." We're going to do this in a in a in a scientific uh, 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 way. Even how you use that has a political component to it. So I mean, it's you 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 have to understand. You have to understand that, and, and we have to be honest. I mean, I don't agree with everything Van Sertima or or, or Finch or 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 even Sheikh Ali Job said. I mean, they, and and if you look back at the history of how science emerges, folks have opinions, they try to prove their opinions with facts and theories, more facts, and then down the stream you find out that they were wrong. That's cool, that's how science operates. Um, but I have yet to see any evidence, biologically, of this African influence on the Omeg, Omeg uh, civilization. I mean, we. And I, I know folk personally who have been throughout um, um, uh, uh, the new world and explored genetic variation in these uh, Native Native American groups, and we do yeah. not see this signature of West African ancestry in those groups. Mm. That's uh, you said a mouthful. Um, and 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 we have see we have about we had uh, quite a few people. We have quite a few people watching. And I hope this clarifies uh, some of those uh, questions that people have been asking because genetics and this topic has been a running topic inside of our Facebook group for for the past year, year and a half, off and on. And so I, I do see a couple of people and I, and I think that they're enjoying the conversation. Uh, matter of fact, I know they're enjoying the conversation because they're saying, let him go in, go in. Now I can go to sleep. He answered that. Now I can go to sleep. You know, so 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they've been waiting on that. Right. That's right. I forget that it's late out there. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if, if we we're going to have an opportunity to open it up, but uh, uh, Ben, I, I guess you can uh, continue on. But there are some people that do have questions inside of the chat. I don't know how we're going to um, – maybe we could read a couple of them or we'll invite – We have like another controversial issue that we need to address before we open uh -oh. up the chat. Uh-oh. Uh, we want to address this um, issue of the Neanderthal and whether or not um, – white people are a different species. And I say that in quotations because this is a conversation that often comes up in our community. And although I don't subscribe um, to that paradigm, could you talk about speciation and Neanderthal? And um, if you feel that the current people that we identify in our social construct as European or white, if they are a Neanderthal, or if they're just playing a homo sapiens sapien. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Naya's getting right to it. Oh, boy. The debate. So, so um, you know, this whole Neanderthal um, issue emerged uh, in terms of the genetics um, when uh, one of the um, skeletal remains uh, of Neanderthals was sequenced. The DNA was isolated from the bones and sequenced. And this uh, Neanderthal DNA profile emerged. And one of the things you noticed is that it did differ uh, in, in, in many ways um, uh, uh, with, with uh, the modern human Homo sapiens sapien uh, genome. And uh, which suggests that obviously it is a different um, uh, species. But what was fascinating as this emerged was that there was some sequence, uh, some actual sequence profiles that Neanderthals had that are embedded or, or, or in the gene pool of many uh, European and Asian uh, populations. Um, but it's not common. It's not common at all. I mean, it's maybe at the most five, eight percent of the population. Um, and it's just these small stretches of DNA that have been um, defined as, as quote unquote, uh, Neanderthal. Um, my take on that is this, if we, if we were to look at the, at the genome, the, the entire genome, all three and a half billion of these base pairs, we'll find that the genome of humans has multiple histories, meaning that remember when I was saying that part of our genome um, evolved due to climate and environmental exposures, pathogens, infectious disease, you know, high latitude, high sunlight intensity, being around areas with no vitamin D, blah, blah, blah put pressures on the genome at different time periods in the history of homo, not just homo sapiens, but homo. Because remember, homo sapiens sapiens didn't just come out of nowhere. There was this evolution and this divergent that occurs. And so if we go all the way back to homo. That means that part of our genome goes back, you know, over a million years. You guys see what I'm saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so 
we should look at our genome as a mosaic of pieces or chunks with different histories from different time periods. And so when we talk about this Neanderthal sequence, it's a part of a sequence from that time period. Now, what populations were around during that time period? Modern humans were around there um, uh, in Europe. They were restricted to that European area, and there's also some that were found in Asia, right? Those populations um, uh, have a history with, with that, um, that Neanderthal period. And so it's not surprising to see that segment in, in, a, in a portion of those population, individuals from those populations. You guys see what I'm saying? Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there is evidence of this Neanderthal, you know, people call it Neanderthal gene, but it's really just a profile of the DNA hmm. that is old and that some Europeans have. Now, if folks had any sense, they would go to Africa and look at some of these old remains Mm -hmm. and sequence and see what archaic, what we call archaic sequence or archaic um, um, uh, profiles, DNA profiles, are there and see which African populations may have those. And I'm sure that it'll be those that were historically near those archaic populations. You guys see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. So, now, you can boot that that reality up to saying that, oh, whites are, or Europeans are Neanderthals, or a, a subgroup of Europeans are Neanderthals. But I mean, there's no, there's no, what, 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 do you, what are you trying to say? Are they like um, less advanced or something? Is that the argument? <laughs> right. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see that. But I do um, believe, and I've seen the evidence that there is this, that there's chunks of DNA that have different histories in our genome. And there is a chunk that goes back to this period of Neanderthals that's common in Europe, okay? Mm -hmm. Modern Europeans. Mm. Yep. You, you know, the part You're that right. gets me, though, let me say this real fast. The part that gets me is is that you can go to Africa and you can find, um, you know, A double zero. That's archaic. And so on, in Africa, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in breeding. So I don't understand why Neanderthal is so crazy, but yet we never want to talk about what happened on the actual continent. So I found it to be very, very interesting. You know, like Brother Saul always says, then then why don't you just say you just don't like white people? Just say that. I know he in the chat room. So <laughs> just say I, it. I would just go, I would just go ahead and, and say it. Well, you don't have to make up nothing. Just, just say it what it is. Don't like white people. It's interesting. I'm, I'm telling you that if you go throughout the genome and, and you... Um, you look at the age of these lineages in our genomes, they vary because we have been around um, uh, uh, as a genus for a long time. And so that, that there's chunks of our DNA that are very, very old. And they, they haven't, um, um, uh, they haven't, they were important in terms of the trajectory of evolution that we were on. You know, maybe they were for standing upright or whatever, but those chunks are old. And then there's those that change, those that we inherited from past um, um, uh, uh, species and the like. So it's not surprising. 
you know, um, what's surprising is that people want to boot up a behavior or a phenotype over a damn uh, profile sequence. Mm. Mm. I, I, I just have a question. Um, since you, you mentioned uh, something about that, could you, and hopefully this doesn't go, this is still within the same uh, uh, question. When, when, when we hear things like uh, human beings or homo sapiens sapiens, we share X percent with a banana or X percent with uh, a rat or, or, you know, whatnot. What does that actually mean? Like what percentage? Because this is the thing, uh, for example, uh, it's known that human beings share, I believe, 98.6% with a chimpanzee. Uh, but yet, when people read these reports about the um, Neanderthal, it will say something like 4%. And so what some people will do is say, wait a minute, if we share 98.6% with the chimp, but then there are people walking around with only 4% with the Neanderthal, that means that we're more like chimps than Neanderthal, etc. So I think there's a little bit of confusion there. So can you, uh, if you understand the, the question, could you kind of elaborate on what does it mean when humans share X percent with, you know, a banana or whatever the case is? Is that a different, is that, are they looking at something different? So that's a, that's a very good point. So um, <laughs> I've, I've always had uh, uh, issues with uh, how, uh, this was used. And this is another way that science is used politically. So, you know, when, when um, part of the argument of the, of the Human Genome Project was uh, the, the, the folks wanted um, government funding and they wanted um, different countries to, to support it from all over the world. And part of their uh, position in this was let's sequence the human genome and show that we are 99.9% .9 alike. And uh, and then folks was like, well, how are we like with apes, uh, you know, chimps or whatever? And then it was like, oh, 98.5, 98.6 or whatever. And what they were saying was they when you sequence the genome, they look at the genes and they said, oh, these are the same genes. Um, uh, so we are 99.9 percent. But they didn't look at sequence variation. That wasn't part of that discussion. They were talking about how many do we have the same set of genes? And so there was a different set of genes uh, for, for um, uh, chimps. And um, uh, so that's what, that's what that argument is about. And it's being used mainly for political sort of purposes because in reality, it doesn't mean much at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it really does. <laughs> all, all humans share... <laughs> Oh, humans are 100 percent identical if that's the case right <laughs> but we know that it's not true we you know what i'm saying there is no there's no population where they have fewer genes than what the other population we all have the same set of genes the structure of our genome is pretty much the same but the variation that's within there that genetic variation is what's different and that's where the action is actually that's what makes some people darker some than others, some people's eyes bigger or nose wider or whatever, hair thinner. And you said earlier that there, there you said about approximately a million uh, variations. Um, 
Yeah, so so if we compare any two people, mm-hmm. right, just off the street, any two people, it's about one and a half million SNPs that would differ between them. So at 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 one point five of those three point five nucleotides, there would there could be a difference there. On average around a million, million and a half. Mm. Uh Dr. Rick, this is uh this next question is something that uh, different people have asked in the community. Can you talk about the population of genetics and what we call uh, ancient Egypt, if you're familiar with that? I I really haven't studied a lot about Egypt, to be honest with you. I've studied a lot about West Africa and Central Africa because that was what was important for me as an African-American. I'm not saying Egypt wasn't important. Egypt, you know, was inspiring. to many of us, but um, in terms of uh, uh, genealogy and family history and understanding about my potential health based on my genetics, Egypt had nothing to do with that. So I spent a lot of time studying Western Central Africa. Um, I I think it's a very rich and and interesting, exciting history. I know that um, when you look at East African populations and that whole Nile Valley, there is a continuum of a variation and this transition out of Africa into the Middle East. I think it's really interesting and exciting. Um, but I will tell you this. If there is an, um, uh, an Eden, it's in the Sudan. Mm. Meaning that area has so much genetic variation. And that variation is consistent with what we see in West Africa, Central Africa, North Africa, South Africa, the Middle East, Europe and Asia. I mean, it's, so that area has enormous variation. And you see in the Sudan, you see um, the what we call the, uh, the elongated African, tall, long limb, dark skin, the nilotics, the, uh, all these different, uh, um, features that's consistent within Africa you see there Mm. so you know uh, you know we talk about where is the birthplace of modern humans I actually think it's somewhere in that area now when you when you think about the history of Egypt and the influence that Egypt gave to Europe or had on Europe and, and the Middle East is 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 staggering right but what about the influence that the Sudan gave to Egypt? You know, mm-hmm. that because that predates all of it. If in fact that's modern human um, um, origin, uh, geographic origin, right? Yes, yeah, that, that's right. Me, to me. That would be where the you know where some interesting action would be. Mm. Can you explain, Doctor Kittle, the transitional morphology? Can I explain transitional morphology? Um, I don't understand the context. Neither do I. Uh, it was a question in the chat room. Uh, and, and I'll read you the whole question and maybe it'll give you a, some more context. It says, can you explain the use of transitional morphology rather than missing link? Oh, oh, okay. So remember I was talking about these transition zones. If you look at areas between continents where people have moved, we see this area of transition in the biology 
and the genetics of those populations. Um, uh, when you have this typological approach, you're assuming that there are these types, right? These racial types. And historically, and in, in when you have this typological thinking, there is no bridge between those types. The bridge actually is this transitional morphology. But mm. historically, people didn't do that. They would say, oh, there must be a missing link between these folk and this folk. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's so my understanding of what the question That's my understanding of what he's trying to say. Right. It's a, it's a very unscientific question because <laughs> basically they're trying to, you know, you answered the question when you discuss race in terms of morphology. We don't see one morphology in one particular population. We see variations in different populations. So there is no such thing as transitional morphology, whoever answered the question. But I wanted to say something to you, um, Dr. Kittles, about DNA testing, because this is an important subject in our community. Yes. The validity and reliability of DNA testing. We often have these circular arguments regarding it and whether it's valid. And as black people, can we trust the results? Can you talk a little bit about the reliability and validity of testing and the processes that you use even in your own lab to ensure that the results are do what they say that they can do? Right. So you know, we, we, we I think we also have to understand that um, when you get when you get a DNA test, the, um, the accuracy and the validity is really a, um, a reflection on how well your database, your reference database. Is. So if you're asking a question about what is an individual's haplotype, those are pretty simple questions to answer. They can do the, excuse me, they can do the sequencing. They can look at your your polymorphisms and say, oh, you have this stretch of, of variation, so you're haplogroup A or haplogroup C. Those are simple. But when you start saying that an individual is of Finnish ancestry or, or Yoruba or Fulani from Cameroon, you should have a database that's reflective of those populations and more, right? What we call comprehensive databases. Um, and so, uh, part of the accuracy is is based on how well your database is. I mean, you can have a database with 100 samples in it, and um, you will find something. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You, you'll say, oh, well, this is close. You know, oh, let me give you a perfect example. When I first started this, you know, and this is, I, I, this was, I had to learn this, you know, the hard way. Um, I remember I tested... Um, Henry Louis Gates, early in my career, I was at Howard University. And this is before I started the company. And um, I had at the time a pretty good database, African database. But my database was good for West and Central Africans. So I had from, Ango from, um, from Senegal all the way down to Angola, pretty well sampled, really good set of samples from there in my database. I had very little data from Egypt, the Middle East, the Sudan, North Africa, right? Because for me, in my, um, at that time, in my thinking, I thought that all I needed was West and Central Africans, and I can answer the question for African Americans, not thinking that, obviously, some of us have different ancestries outside of this transatlantic slave trade, meaning some of us may have 
European or Jewish or, or um, uh, Middle Eastern ancestor. So anyway, I tested him. And um, uh, I didn't have any Egypt, Egyptian samples. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't have any um, uh, is, uh, samples from Israel, Jewish samples in my database. I had, um, I had some Egypt, Egyptians. I had some um, Somali and, and, and Sudanese. And so when I did the test, he came up uh, Egyptian from northern Egypt. And so I told him, I said, you know, it looks like you have Egyptian ancestry. He was all excited. He said, oh, you know, I, I am a, a descendant of a king. He said, <laughs> <laughs> come to find out once database grew that it wasn't Egypt that the match was in. It was actually Israel and he had Jewish ancestry on his mother's side. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I went to Egypt is because that was the closest set of samples in terms of variation consistent with Israel. So it was a, it was a, I, I had to learn that the hard way, but it was, it was good. It was refreshing because it made me think bigger than just where I was thinking. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I could, I could admit I was wrong, but the, the point, the point I'm making is that I didn't have a big enough database to accurately answer his question. I was relying on him too, telling me about his ancestry. He said, oh, my father's, my mother's black. My mother's black. Yeah, she's black, but she, her mother's mother's not black. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so, so I, I found that to be, I, I found that to be interesting. So, so let me go back to answer your questions. I, I think I went the long way on that one. Sorry. Um, no, that was great context, though. Right. The, the database is important, but also your statistical um, uh, algorithms that you use to determine the match is important. Mm. So we have the largest database for, for African-Americans. We, we use a likelihood uh, method. It's a probability test to see how likely this match that we found in the database is. And, by that, we look at the frequency of the match, the geographic distribution, all of that stuff. And so, um, so yeah, so, so there's a lot of components to the, to the accuracy. The other thing that's also important, too, that we have to realize is that some of us have very old lineages. For instance, some of us may have mitochondrial haplogroup L0, which is the oldest mm -hmm. lineage in the world. And it's common throughout West Africa. You can go from Senegal, Western Senegal, all the way to Eastern Cameroon, and you'll find it in equal frequency across those broad range of, of geography and, and, and ethnic groups. So there's no way to say this person is from Gabon or this lineage is Gabon, Gabonese. You see what I'm saying? Because it's so common, it's so old. But then we have other lineages, like for instance, um, uh, Oprah Winfrey's mitochondrial DNA lineage, which was an L3 subgroup, which is one of the more recent ones. Like, for instance, the L0 goes back almost 100,000 years, 80,000 years, right? So that's why it's a broad distribution. But Oprah's was only within the last 10,000. It was very restricted to a, a region in, in Liberia. Hmm. So that also plays a role, too. It's like going to the phone book 
and saying, oh, I'm going to find my friend's phone number. What's their name? Brown. Or <laughs> Thousands of browns. <laughs> but, but if you say kittles, I mean, it's not a lot of kittles. You see what I'm saying? So it really depends on that lineage in terms of how well you can accurately assess where it's from. So it's, if, it's not a simple answer. That's why, I don't know, a lot of times we think that everything is simple. I'm going to pay this money. They're going to answer all of my questions. And what they do is they get their answers, their question answered, and they put it on Facebook or whatever. And then everybody has a billion more questions. <laughs> That's and, right. You're right about that. Um, if, Kittles, if, can, if I, uh, can you uh, touch on that Jewish uh, comment you made about Henry Louis Gates? Uh, some people in the chat room, I think, are confusing what you're saying. Uh, when you say he had Jewish ancestry, what do you mean by that? I mean, he had a lineage that was common um, in Israel. He had a mitochondrial DNA lineage. I forget what it was. T, T1, T2 or something like that. Okay. And again, this this goes back to the difference between the mitochondrial test results, the paternal test results, and then you have the uh, admixture. And I think this is something that people really have to make clear and distinct. Like you said, it tells three different stories, and and I think people crawl, you know, mismatch those. But it, right. if if I may, I have um um the website uh, showing and pulled up, and I know and based on to what you, to speak on what you just mentioned. On the uh, website, this is AfricanAncestry.com, um, by the way, for those who, <laughs> who are uh, watching. Um, you have a question here. It says, do you have the largest database of Afri African lineages? And the answer is yes, 33,000 as opposed to the competition, which may range about 621. So that, that speaks volumes to, to basically what, you're, what you were just speaking about. I know, for example, the company uh, 23andMe, there's in reverse. They have a high sample of European uh, ancestry than than the uh, African uh, component, and and a lot of people are getting tested with that company, et cetera, et cetera. So, so um, so and it, and it will show up in the results, and 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 like you said, uh, as the database grows, that's why they're always updating their database and updating their reports and things like that. So, um, just wanted to show that for the for the audience on what you were speaking about. But I find it interesting. You have the first question is, can you identify an African country of origin? Yes. Competition? No. Uh, can you specify African eth ethnic group? Yes. For African ancestry, but competition? No. And I think those qu those answers are based on what you were saying. The the um, I guess the uh, the 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 quality of the database and and those samples is w is why you're able to do it, and other companies are. So is that correct? Um, assessment to say I'm sorry I didn't catch that <laughs> I was saying basically um, the reason why the, the the answers to the questions on the website are yes for African ancestry and no for the, maybe the competition has to do with the quality and of, of the database and the samples that are there right right that, that, that's the big part of of accuracy I mean um, you know if if your question is am I of African descent or European descent. I mean, you know, that's a simple question, right? But to really dwell into the question of ancestry and these ethnic groups, you need to have a really good database in order to answer that. Um, and that's why, for the most part, these other companies don't provide that level of inference. Mm. All they do is tell you that you're European or, or, um, or, or I mean, African or, or um, um, Native American. And they, because of the, their databases are so comprehensive for Europe, they mm -hmm. can tell you something about Europe. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I told you, I have a European Y chromosome. I know that because of the European databases. Mm. And my my my, I'm I'm the opposite. I have a I have a uh, non-African maternal line, uh, a West African paternal line, and then mm-hmm. my admixture says I'm different. Seventy percent shared with Africa and thirty percent shared other. You know, and 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 so what's other? Uh, twenty. I think twenty-five percent European somewhere European, and then the other difference is Middle East somewhere. You know. Okay. So seventy thirty split all together. Okay. So that so when I first got my results, that's what made me study and and really realize the difference and the different stories that these results tell uh, tell. And I can I can understand why people get confused, but you know I think people should really uh, um, uh, do the knowledge and and, and study so they won't misinterpret it because I've seen a lot of people do that with the percentages. Right. Doctor Rick. Um... I don't even know who this person is, but a, a friend of mine wants me to ask it, so I'm going to ask you. Um, what were the test results of Cherokee Freedman? Hmm. Do you know who that person yeah, is? Yeah. No, you, you said it's a friend of yours, but you don't know who it is. <laughs> no, I, I don't know who Cherokee Freedman is, but the friend of mine asked me to ask, uh, ask you the question. Oh, oh okay. That, that was kind of weird. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I really get confused. So, yes, um, there, the question deals with this, a study that I did um, looking at the Freedman community in um, Oklahoma. Uh, the Freedman community are um, are is a community of of uh, people of African descent who were part of those. Uh, five uh, so-called civilized tribes that were part of that trail of tears um, from uh, Georgia, Florida, um, Alabama, Mississippi, marching into Oklahoma to the reservations. Their land was stolen. Their communities were devastated. And many of them had, um, many of those Native American communities had relationships with some, to some extent, um, with uh, Black folk, meaning they either had slaves like the Choctaw or Chickasaw, or they um, had them in their organization in terms of leadership, like the Seminole, um, or they just were um, a part of, of their community and helped stabilize them, in particular during this time of, um, of, of instability during that Trail of Tears. Imagine that. It was very hard to um, for those communities to go through that period, but African-Americans helped stabilize those 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 communities um in 19 early 1990s uh the federal government gave them those five tribes reparations for the trail of tears upwards of like 40 million each or something like that first thing that they did those troops i mean those troops those tribes was kick out the black folk and uh, they said oh you're not really native american you, we just, you know, you just hung out with us, but um, we can't get into this money. So the the freedmen, they call them freedmen community, the black freedmen, uh, which were part of those. They were actually on the rolls. Some of them were on the rolls. Their families were on the rolls. They got kicked off. Um, they then uh, uh, sued for um, some of the rights to that money from reparations. Um, now, at the time, you know, the 
these nations, once they got that money, they started buying up property, developing real estate, uh, casinos. You know, I tell folk all the time, they went from ashy to classic, you know, overnight, really, because, you know, they had the, they had the poorest wealth, poorest health. And then, you know, with this money, they then built up the, their community. And um, in, in many cases, the blacks were, were turned away from, from those communities. So I went into uh, Oklahoma. Uh, they wanted me to do some testing of the freedmen to see if they had Native American genetic ancestry. And maybe they could use that information in court to prove that they were part of those groups. And I told the, the leadership at that time, I said, look, you know, we can do this, but doesn't mean that um, you, you can actually use this genetic data in court. There's no real precedence for you doing that from a research project. But they wanted to do it anyway. They, they felt that that would be at least a start in the direction to do what needed to be done. So I did the testing on about uh, close to 100 and something uh, individuals who themselves or their family members were on the rolls of these groups. I mean, I've, I've seen pictures that folks had of their family members who were like in leadership. Like for instance, one woman, her grandfather, his name was Billy Boleg. He was a, a Seminole chief at one point. And she's African-American, part of the black freedom. So some of her family members were tested. And so when the results came back, I went back out there. And um, for the most part, there was very little Native American ancestry. Now there were about four or five individuals um, African-Americans who had over 30% Native American ancestry and who had significant, you know, uh, Native American ancestry. But for the most part, most of the African-Americans had just a, as much or less than the average African-American in the country, which is around five, six percent. Mm. Five. So they were pretty upset about that. <laughs> and I think it's funny because... <laughs> For the most part, people like science and technology when they can use it for their benefit. Mm -hmm. And so once they realized that this DNA testing wasn't going to help them, they then said, this is garbage. Oh, that, that's, you, you, that is a key, <laughs> that is a key point you just made. And that is the sentiments that we see a lot. Just what you said, DNA is, is very good when it comes to paternal, paternal uh, court cases uh, to determine fatherhood, uh, paternity tests and things. But then... If they can't use it to to uh, push a belief, a, a preconceived belief, then it becomes garbage. It becomes pseudoscience and things like that. And I think you hit it right there on the head. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's good for criminal court too. get you off a case. Right. Yeah. Now, there's strong utility for genetics across many different aspects. But what I find fascinating is people value their value that they place on the genetics is based on the utility. And if they can't use it, there's no value to it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Doesn't if it doesn't um, if they can't reconcile that with their uh, belief, their traditions, or their folklore, family history, they don't want to use that. And <laughs> how about the psychology of of the transatlantic slave trade? You know, I think it's a deep hidden underlying psychology that we want to kind of deny it, and so people want to reach for something else. Say, wait, okay, well, we were first here first. I wasn't part of the slave trade i'm not a descendant of a slave and they and they kind of latch on to 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 that and and when the genetics don't show up then i guess cognitive dissonance kicks in and and, and they just go for anything and deny the dna and, and the whole science of genetics altogether right but it, it's, it's funny because they're not just denying the science they're also denying history right the historical record 
Mm-hmm. Mm. I done fell. Right. Mm-hmm. I, okay. think, I think we emptied the clip on the on the on the questions unless anybody else got any more. Mm. No, yeah. we yeah, that, 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 yeah, that was a lot of good questions, man. I and I really uh appreciate you coming through. Um I think it kinda um it, it kinda helped the community. Uh, we have a very, very intelligent uh, listening audience. And we have a few knuckleheads, which is to be expected. And so around here, we teach uh, scientific literacy. So it makes it very, very important for you to head stop by, Professor. I mean, I mean, Doctor, I really appreciate that. Really. And we really support your company. And we absolutely send business your way. All right. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Matter of fact, I, uh, I, I'm going to show the web, website one more time. And uh, I don't, is there anything uh, that you want to highlight on the um on the site, it looked like the site had a makeover recently because I've been paying attention now. It looks like uh has a slight makeover and and uh and uh, to yeah, pro it probably has. I know Gina Gina Page, my business partner, she's amazing, man. She she has a creative team of folk and she's really into marketing and all that. So I, I you know, I can't even tell you, I don't even know how much it costs anymore. I mean, I've, been, <laughs> I've been in the lab, you know what I'm saying. So, but but uh, nah, just, you know, Gina's done some some spectacular work, and she has a great team out there. Matter of fact, let me just uh, show show her, uh, her picture again. That's uh, Dr. Gina Page, right? I think we lost him for a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he maybe he'll come back in. But I, yeah, that's uh, the sister whose picture is uh, showing now. Um, also a founder, a founder of the. Um, African ancestry, but but it's a it's a, there's a question on here. Let me just show this real quick. We need to get that sister on here, man. That would be like a yeah, trap. I was just thinking that. Thinking, man. Come on, man. I was just thinking that. Yeah, that's important, right there. We can't leave her out. Goodness. No, certainly not. Uh, but look, this question here, the last question on the page. Uh, hopefully, everybody can see it. This is on on the website. It says, "Are you a uh, well?" Actually, let's go to the to, let's go to the question time. before that. Because this this is what people um, have a problem with as well. The question is, do do you research or sell my DNA? The answer is never. net never. Okay, and that's one thing I know that the company prized uh, themselves off of. I've I've seen a video where um, Dr. Page and Dr. Kittle speak on this, and um, uh, maybe when he comes back, he can address it. But the last question though, are you one hundred? Huh? I'm telling Pam to go ahead and hit him real quick. See where he at. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, the last question. Are you 100% black owned with black scientists? And the answer oh. is yes. Oh, that's on the thing, huh? <laughs> that's on it. That's on his, uh, on the website. Shoot them dead in the water, man. Screenshot that. That's a, that's, man. That's a checkmate right there. That's, man. Dr. Kittles, he's back. Okay. Uh, Dr. Kittles, uh, um, I was just, Going over the um the last three questions on on the site, one is well last two. It says one, uh, do you research or sell my DNA? And and the answer is never. And I remember seeing a video of you and Dr. Page speaking on on that in terms of um you know not doing that uh, like the other companies and also not receiving uh, external influence by way of uh uh funds and things or, or whatnot um i remember i kind of vaguely remember you all t touching on that so so you can keep the the science what it is and do have the freedom to do what, what it is that you all do 
So. Right, right. Now that that was very important, and also it, that's one of the reasons why it took a while for me to uh, develop the, the the company and the test because I wanted to find somebody who had very similar sensitivities as I did about this issue of genetics in the African American community. So, so Gina, you know, shares my my sensitivities, and and we definitely uh, wanted to make sure that if we did this in the community we would set up these, what we call terms and conditions, where we would not any test to uh, any, any um, uh, uh, test results or DNA samples, personal or financial information to any third parties. And we've, we've been consistent with that. Not like other companies where they actually have uh, given information to FBI databases, uh, sold, sold information to uh, drug companies, and, and the like so right and I, I see that on the site uh uh it says it says as far as the other companies take a look at the fine print <laughs> make sure you read the fine print yep. so well, that's every company whenever you buy a test from any company there's a thing called terms and conditions and you have to read that uh you know before you put that uh, credit card information in there because in some of these companies they tell you pretty much once you send that sample in it's theirs they can do whatever they want to do Wow! Whatever they want to find, and 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 produce royalties from that, uh, and you get nothing. Right, right, right. There's royalties. You may get. <laughs> wow. You get paid off it. Get paid, man, boy. So, yeah. so, so I'm glad. I'm glad that was really posted on the site, and that kind of really helps our position here. Uh, mm-hmm. And we absolutely appreciate that, and that's and that's good. Uh, so we need to do uh, business, m- more business with your company. That's absolute, and, and that policy right there should actually help out people uh, in, in determining, you know, what company they want to use. And I think that's an excellent policy right there, of uh, keeping their information uh, sacred. So right. we really, really appreciate that. Right. You know, and and I we did it because I don't think I'm that much different than any other uh, 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 brother or sister in the community. I mean, somebody came up to me and asked me for my samples. I I, I want the same level of protection. You right. know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... Dr. Dr. Rick, did you do a study on an African burial ground in New York City? Yep. Yeah, that's how I actually started. That's when I started collecting the data, the database. And that was in 95. I think I started doing that. So um, I was working with some scientists at Howard University. This is I actually started it when I was in grad school. And then I got a, an appointment at Howard, my first faculty appointment. And uh, then it really, it really blew up after that. But yeah, so there was a um, in uh, in uh, in Wall Street, down the street from Wall Street in New York City, off Broadway. Uh, there was a uh, um, a centuries-old burial ground. They called it the, on the map of, of New York City. It was it was de- um, denoted Negroes Burial Ground, and it went back to the 1800s, and it was actually a place where enslaved Africans and free Africans were buried um, over um, uh, uh, several generations. And so there were thousands of, of people buried there. And um, remember at that time, New York was called New Amsterdam. It wasn't called New, New York, it was New Amsterdam. It was a Dutch sort of colony initially. And, and um, there were enslaved Africans there. Many of them, many people say, well, why, how would they be slaves in New York? They weren't doing a lot of the um, uh, agricultural work 
uh, they were doing mainly domestic sort of servitude stuff, um, but they were enslaved and they were doing domestic uh, sort of chores and work. And those communities, um, uh, blacks in, in, the, in that area started to grow. And so they were buried in this, in this cemetery. Now, as the city grew, as New York City grew, they encroached on that burial ground and that burial ground um, became smaller and smaller. They built up all around it, on top of it, throughout bodies, all type of stuff. And so um, in 1990, some, somewhere around 90s, they, they were building, the federal government was building a, the GSA building, General Service Administration building. And uh, the, they were building the foundation and, and they found these remains, these burials, uh, coffins and artifacts, and they were pulling them out every day Folks in the area were like, you know, this is, you know, because this is Manhattan, and there was a lot of blacks walking around there. They were like, you know, obviously this is part of our community. So they stopped the um, construction. Mayor Dinkins, the black mayor, was mayor, and uh, we had a black president also, um, Clinton. Uh, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they they stopped it and and said that we were they were going to send all of the remains that were left to Howard for study. Howard University had like a $10 million grant or something to study those remains and then to rebury them in a memorial that was built there. So the, the building actually, the federal building went up. It just wasn't as big as what they wanted it to be. And, um, and there was a memorial there now. This is right next to the World Trade Center, okay, mm. where the memorial is. Um, uh, uh, where the, yeah, and, and the... Um, What's funny, though, is is uh, um, many of the early scientists before the before Howard University was involved, they had all these um, um, these European uh, anthropologists uh, studying these remains. And for some reason, they would say things like these are Europeans or these are Native Americans. They're not Africans because they knew that, you know, it was African, number one. And if it was African, then they could stop the barrier. They could stop the construction. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Right. And, and a big hula, but you know the uh, the descendant community in New York didn't didn't have that, and so we actually was able to stop construction, get the remains, 427 of them sent to Howard, and we studied them. So I isolated DNA from the bones of those remains. That was my job mm. to isolate the DNA from the bones and determine through the mitochondrial DNA if they were African, that was the first question. Are they African or not? We could look at their skeletons and tell that they were African. We could look at the burials. They had um, Dinka, Dinka symbols. I mean, they had Dinka, Dinka symbols on them. They had Sankofa symbols on the coffins. So wow. it wasn't hard for <laughs> it's the, like staring you in the face to say, these are African descendant people. This is a cemetery of African descendant people. Then the biological anthropologist was looking at the cranial and the long bones and said, these are African people. Then Rick comes in with the DNA and says, these are L haplogroup. These are African people. So the, 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 the triple, a lot of fighting for that to happen. Mm. But yeah, I was involved in that. Wow. That was the triple hitter right there. The, the cranial, the, the, uh, uh, archeology, the, the archeology, span the materials, and, and the genetics can't get any mm -hmm. better than that yep that was the first time i actually worked with what we call an interdisciplinary group of folk and they were all black all of them mm. historians 
archaeologist, biological anthropologist, geneticist. I mean, it was amazing. That that was amazing, amazing experience. I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget. I mean, it was, and it made me, it reinforced to me what I was doing and, and who I was, and, and it helped I, uh, shape my identity as a, as a, as an African American uh, geneticist. Mm. Yeah, you seem very well-rounded when it comes to like Afrocentricity and just being centered in your identity and who you are as a person. Did science help you to shape that identity or did you have training in Afrocology or kind of how did you get here? I, I, it's funny. I, you know, I grew up in Long Island and my parents were not, um, uh, um, you know, college graduates or anything. They were just hardworking black folk who really pushed me along and wanted me to be successful in school. So in one level, I was, you know, I was, achie I was an achiever in school, science and math, but at another level, I actually had a, a, a strong connection and love for my community. And I grew up in an area where there was um, suburbia, but also, you know, um, uh, poverty too. And so I didn't have to go far to see what poverty looked like. And it was black. Mm. And um, that also made me sort of um, realize that if, as I progressed in life, I had to always think back and look back and try to contribute and help others along the way. So, so I guess it was just part of my my journey that I that I sort of developed that um, that connection with Africa. But I'll tell you one thing. I mean, I didn't get a PhD to to write a bunch of papers on on on. Um, uh, on Tay Sachs disease in Jews. Okay, I got a PhD to study black folk, mm. and I've published over 170 papers, and not one of them is on white people. Okay? Wow! Mm. Wow! Well, we're glad to have you as an asset, an ally in this uh, this fight to raise scientific literacy in our community. Uh, man, when I reached out to you, you know, I I knew it was going to be a classic show, but you gave us more than, than what we bargained for. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, bro. You know, another thing, this is why, you know, what you guys are doing are so important. You know, the sister asked me a question just now about my, um, my, um, how I was anchored in the community and, and developed. You know, when I, when I first started graduate school uh, in, in DC, I went to GW. So I, I left New York, went into DC, started graduate school. One of the things that kept me grounded and, also reinforced my love and understanding that I, whatever I did should contribute to black folk was this African study group that I was a part of. It was called Two Wamoja, which is Kiswahili for we are one. It's an mm -hmm. African study group. So back then we didn't have the internet like this. We didn't have, we had the internet, but it wasn't like this. We didn't have these, these chat rooms and all this stuff. So we would meet at the public library. We would meet downtown in DC at King Library and we would read Chick Annie Jolt's book. We, that's the first time I read Civilization and Barbarism. I met with folks who were just average black folk on the street, bus drivers, um, teachers, other students, undergrad, um, uh, waiters. I mean, it was everybody would sit there and we would sit there and, 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 and chop it up on these books. And it was a, a lot of sharing that was, that was facilitated and it made me grow as a, as a person a lot better and develop a lot better in terms of my love for Africa. One of the things that we did, I'm, I'm not going to keep you guys much longer. I know it's getting late. 
No, we, no, we, 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 we wonder the same about you. No, but I'm serious. I mean, I was, I was like your, your age, uh, Ben, I was like your age, uh, and, and sister, and I was doing what you guys are doing now. Mm. And I was sharing what I was learning with the community and, and learning from them. Right. And so one of the things we did was, um, we we were all like we love the the um, Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in um, uh, in DC. Uh -huh. So we would go in there, but we didn't like the African Hall. So we started talking about how bad the exhibits were and how outdated they were, and and we shut down the exhibit after wow. a couple of years of protest. We would go there every Sunday and give tours. We gave tours at their at the government's museum. <laughs> and we would show how inaccurate their exhibits were. And my, you know, especially their African Hall and the Evolutionary Hall. I mean, they were so outdated, right? And the funny thing was I was actually a graduate student at GW learning from anthropologists who actually worked there. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So I had Smithsonian uh, uh, faculty members who worked at the Smithsonian who were wondering like who are this who's this black study group who's protesting you know and I was in their class and they had no idea wow. that it was me part of that group contributing to the discussion around closing down the exhibit so the bottom line is we were able to close it down we we're able to bring in African-American anthropologists and scientists to to set up a, a committee so that it could improve the exhibit and that's exactly what happened now, I wasn't I was like first, second year undergrad, I mean, uh, graduate student. And so it was just interesting and exciting to be a part of that um, and to, to see how much um, how much when you had the knowledge and you had the confidence and the bravery to go up against, you know, an institution like that and just be almost like a, um, a, a, the spook who sat by the door in a sense, because I mean, I would I would hear discussions in class about the black study group and I would be sitting right there like <laughs> and they don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. But anyway, that was all part of my early experience in the science. You you, 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 wow. you're talking to a native uh, D.C., born and raised mm -hmm. in D.C., so I know exactly uh, where and what you're talking about. Smithsonian. You, you know what? I, I find that real interesting because we had like a similar experience, and, and that was in New York, the Museum of Natural History. Yes, yes. I actually went up there and met mm -hmm. with some folk about that. I remember Tuba our group, went up there and talked to them, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Going there, and they're a little bit behind, too, in their department. Right, so right. I'm, so right. I'm talking to the people, they're picking up the skulls, you know, knowing all the scars and all that, and 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 the professors in there looking at me like, well, who is this guy? I'm like, you know, and I'm <laughs> I'm hitting them with information. They're like, that's interesting. They're a little bit behind in their studies. So mm -hmm. you know what? I always find it very very important to be African centered at what we do, and it's mm -hmm. good to hear that you've actually used that. You know what I'm saying to further and to do what you're doing. And I mm -hmm. think the community really really needs to hear that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Appreciate yeah. it. It. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's uh it's getting late, so yeah. It yeah. Is. Yeah. Appreciate you coming through. Um, yeah. We we should do this again, though. I enjoyed this. Yeah. We're gonna do yeah. this. Yeah. We need to have the sister on too. The other doctor on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gina. Have her on there. Yes. 
Yeah, but, and yeah. and and maybe um, see, I I've been watching your uh, lectures that's that's been shared on on YouTube, and and I think you've been doing an excellent job of of explaining things where a layperson can understand because some of the visuals that you that you uh, show when you talk about race being used as a proxy, but but you mm -hmm. give an example <clears throat> of how how useless it is because of self-reporting and and mm -hmm. i remember you talking about the census and stuff so it'd be good if you come back and kind of go over that because i think that's something very important that people uh need to understand yep yep that'd be cool and and, and may, maybe maybe do a reveal or something maybe maybe <laughs> maybe maybe uh somebody could could uh uh uh, uh get, get a test and and pay for uh -huh. it and and uh, yeah, well, maybe, yeah, maybe one time. of you guys can do the test and uh yeah we do a reveal Okay. How, how many? How, who's done the testing? Nobody's done the African ancestry test yet. No, no not. No, we all we all went to other companies, Rick. Yeah, yeah. Shame, 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 shame on Come us. On, shame, shame. I did my eight years ago. I did my eight nine years ago. Oh yeah, where'd you go? Hey, Family tree DNA or something? Uh, uh, no, uh, gene base. Oh, gene base. Yeah, I think there was a. Uh, oh, that was out of Europe. I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They got and they update your results every year. But I, I'm definitely gonna have to come your way, give you some of that no, money. All of us, all of us need to because because no no I mean you you hit on the head the the quality and and the samples of the database speaks volumes. That's just it. That's 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 the game changer. Um, if if African Americans want to know their percentage and 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 the resolution the higher resolution of where you can narrow down geographical um communities or, or genetic populations uh african ancestry is where to go hands down yeah that's Rick, real. i'm sorry man i i ain't had that 300 on me man dr kittles is not responsible for that that's 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 dr page we're, we're... <laughs> right. i don't have anything to do with that but listen listen always i tell people all the time black history month is the best time to get it it goes down okay. Price goes okay. down. Right, right. <laughs> you on, man. Hey, look, make sure for you coming on the show, we'll make sure I send you a pair of shoes. All what right? size oh, you wear? Yeah, what size you wear? Size 10. Size 10. Size 10. I'm gonna make sure I send you a pair of these ab jewels right here. Oh, those are nice, man. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, y'all can go to the website and check it out, abju.com. Okay. Abjewear.com. Abju, Abju, okay. Abju, so yeah, you know, uh, um, we're actually um, uh, supporting the community and changing the hood to a community one shoe at a time. Okay. So we really appreciate you coming through and we'll make sure you get a pair of these Abjus. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. Those aren't repurposed uh, Louis, are they? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, these original right here. You got to understand that. Okay. Yeah, this, right, you know we right. don't do none of that. We we, I, we go through stores. Yeah, yeah, he's just messing. That's now nah, that's good. But listen, I I I mean I pers I appreciate your time because you could have been doing anything else, and I know that you're that's busy right. in a in a in a laboratory, like you said. You 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 didn't even know that you didn't even know that the website had a makeover. So that that just tells us yeah. how 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 busy you are. Yeah, and and actually, right before I got <laughs> on, Gina had texted me and said we got to talk. So uh, yeah, there's been some changes. Yeah, I gotta I gotta catch up. <laughs> yeah, so so and I know you're making a transition to, out there in LA and stuff. So so we I really appreciate we really appreciate your your time because we we done took up two hours. We, we now we could go yeah. in, but but we know <laughs> you you busy. Nah, we we gotta save we gotta save. Right, know? we gotta yeah. save save it for for another time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but I'm serious. I do want to come back. You guys are good. All, All right, right, well hey. Thank you. All right.
Take uh, care. All right. All right, Black all right. African Power. All right now. All right, bro. So let me right. switch over one second. Uh, so Ben, I um, yeah, and you get a chance to yeah, I guess you got some closing remarks, and I do have um, um, close out with the with the Abju uh, commercial, so everybody can know where to go and get those uh, shoes. So yeah, get them free ones. Abju footwear, man. You know, Amara Squad, we doing big things in the community, man. Get you a pair of those, man. And while you getting a pair of those. You can also go to pantherwear.com and get your pair of those too, man. Support us, man. You know, we're changing the community, man. Changing so we won't have to depend on Nike and all these other companies that's not doing nothing for our community, man. Come support us. That's, uh, that's and, the biggest thing I stress tonight. And oh, and you already know we booked. Yeah. We booked. <laughs> oh, we booked. Bring out them books. Exactly. Bring out them books. <laughs> Exactly. Can't forget the books. Break out the books. All the books, uh, you know. And 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 there's more coming. There's there's more coming uh, for the new year, 2018. Uh, there's more material coming from uh, all the members of the squad, and some uh, some other folks that are um, you know share in 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 what we're trying to do, promote scientific literacy, and um, you know we can make it happen. So yeah, you in Atlanta, sure. come by the spot in Lithonia, man. Come by the Black Dot Cultural Center oh, that's in Atlanta, it. man. Yeah, how you like it there today, Ben? I wasn't there. I got yeah, uh, snatched up. <laughs> got we snatched up. there for four hours. <laughs> got, got snatched up. Oh, man, one at them 12. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. stop through the Black Dot Bookstore and Cultural Center in Lithonia on Main Street, man. I'm going to give you all the address. That is 6984 Main Street, Antonio, Georgia, 30058, the home of the Amaral Squad. All right, let's get it straight. You know what I'm saying? Around here, we don't just talk to talk, man. Hey, look, as y'all can see, we walk the walk. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to thank those who, who uh, took time out and, and hung with us and watched. We had uh, quite a few people, um, and I saw the interesting questions. Shout out to Alan Brown. Ask ask some good questions. I, hopefully, you got some of those uh, responses. I think Ben, you were you were um, relaying some mm -hmm. of his questions in there. Uh, Shesmu and a lot of others. So hopefully, uh, everyone enjoys. Taba, all right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, he see where did he say? He, I guess he couldn't make it. That man. called in the work, man. All yeah. Right. So that's good. It's nice short. Well, for us, it's short. It's a nice short and sweet uh, um, episode. Here, you ain't gonna keep me. I gotta get up and go to work tomorrow, man. Right, right. No, we're gonna go to the coaching center. All right, so. Are you uh, coming through tomorrow, Ben? No, man. Stood me up. <laughs> I didn't stand you up, man. <laughs> I got you. All right. So I'm going to close out with this this uh, commercial. So y'all check it out and make sure y'all uh, visit abjuware.com and come visit the bookstore. We're going, we could chop it up. We got these books in there already. We could, we could put, pull up a topic and, and go in on the topic, go live, have a nice discussion. That's how we do it. So I'm going to hey, say hold peace. On. Yeah. Shout out to Brother Tariq, man, and their guest, man, that helped me form my company. I appreciate that all the way. Mm -hmm. That's the godfather of the show. Brother Jamu at the Black Dot Culture Bookstore. Shout out to him as well. Yep. Shout out to uh, Mike Taylor, Pantherware. And just Mike. shout out to the brothers that's doing things. And now you want to shout, you here. <laughs> I was said, like, yeah, Mike, my boy, Panther <laughs> <laughs>
Now, now you have anything cl to close with before I before uh, I hit no, it? No, I just appreciate. Oh yeah, Mike, your boy, y'all having a good conversation. I just want to appreciate. I just want to shout out to everybody in the um, chat room. You know, just holding it down. Mo in the chat room. Sean in the chat room. You know, Alan. That is what. Everybody in the Massey, chat room. Massey Clan Warriors. Massey, 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 all the support. I just want to shout out to everybody. I love you guys. Right, yeah, I so. appreciate the Masi though. And man, the translating team, man, I really appreciate them, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The Seshu Mani Medonetcha. Sure. Uh they is on fire. Definitely, they definitely. On fire. I ain't gonna lie, they straight on fire, man. I enjoy watching that, man. We all come. I really do. I ain't gonna lie, man. I but, learn something every time I watch that, man. Y'all gotta do more of that, man. Listen, this is the book, man. Where where the book at? Where the sister book? Did you have none of yeah, we're gonna. I'm, I'm, I'll show it again. But I, I want to put y'all onto something. The, the audience onto something called a uh, Saber University. It's an online yeah. university similar to Coursera, similar to Udemy, but it's African centered. Where we're gonna have teachers, courses there, just like that. It's gonna be the home of the Amara Squad, home of home of home of all everybody, everybody that's that's pushing scientific literacy, uh, STEAM, or STEM and STEAM, whatever the case is. But from African uh, uh, centered approach things that matter to us the way we we need it to be done so that's gonna have courses if you if you're already familiar with uh udemy.com or coursever.com now we're gonna have saber university which is gonna be an online teaching environment so all these different topics you hear us talk about on amara squad the different shows we're gonna put together some well uh professional polished video lesson courses to, that you can get, uh, receive a certificate and the whole nine so be on the lookout for that uh as well yep African and, spirituality course coming up. Yes, Put it together for y'all. There it is. So, so anything. Psychology coming up. There it is. Ooh. See, see, we we are, we, we 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 already we already got we, we already got them on the way. African Senate. Yeah, uh -oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Real black atheist style. Uh huh. On the ride. A course on real black atheism. Huh? There you go. <laughs> Facts. All right, so I want to say uh, peace, cause, cause you know we 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 got a habit of making these long goodbyes. You know that's that's yeah, an African yeah, trait. I know I hey, do. Hey, this ain't been around for a while, though, man. I'm glad everybody came and supported us. Y'all act like the channel new. It's been up there, man. They smacked me around a little bit, but we we we've been there, man. Make sure y'all subscribe, okay? Hey, make sure uh, you check me out on Daily Motion. That's where I'm at these What's days. What's your channel name? Is it real? Real black atheist. <laughs> oh wait, guys, I forgot to give a shout out to Chief Eggs. Love you too. Oh man, now listen, Chief Chief X boy, Chief X God, man. Kiss from Naya, boy. <laughs> listen, Chief X man, that brother, that 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 brother, that what do you call it? That brother is like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, but 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 no, what do you call it? No, 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 nothing. He just comes straight at it. Like he don't he don't he don't care about popularity. No, he's like, look, I'm gonna deal with this. Those stones is pseudo. This this is pseudo. Uh, alkaline <laughs> yeah there you go unapologetically so yeah. chief x can i close it out with this man i really appreciate chief broken foot you know what i mean for listening to the uh uh podcast uh man I, I hope you learned a lot man it was a real powerful show man you know it was he didn't all right so i'm gonna say uh say peace